Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding, birthing, and beyond. And today, we're going to do a little bit of all of that, a little birthing, a little breastfeeding, and a little beyond, because my guest today is Rachel Marie Martin. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, those of you who heard the Mother's Day show this year know that Rachel is a wonderful guest. She's very fun to talk to, very insightful, inspiring. And Rachel is the author of a new book called The Brave Art of of um excuse me, The Brave Art of Motherhood. Fight fear, gain confidence, and find yourself again. So, Rachel, this is a pretty important book here. I'm holding it in my hand, and it is, uh, let's see, just so I can tell everybody, it is um, lots of pages long. It's more than 200 pages long. I won't say that I've read the entire thing, but I've gotten through a big chunk of it. And uh, I want to talk with you a little bit about this title, The Brave Art of Motherhood. It talks about bravery, but I want you to pursue that word for a minute because you say in the book, freedom and bravery don't happen when we hide. They come only when we step into the truth of who we are and what we're facing. Can you talk a little more about that? I would love to. So (laughs) I'm really, really proud of that title, The Brave Art of Motherhood. And uh, I think it's because as a writer and as a mom, my oldest is 22, my youngest is nine now, but a lot of times we get through the day and we think, I haven't really done anything or what have I done? The the to-do list is still super long. And I've always felt that bravery, sometimes we see it as the big giant things in life, but bravery really comes back to Sometimes those moments, like I wrote about this morning, about in the morning when the alarm goes off, we as parents and as mothers make a choice to ignore the alarm or to wake up to the alarm. And when it wakes up, we are choosing our family and our kids. And it's so hard sometimes because all you want to do is roll over, <laughs> roll over, back to sleep. But yes. we kind of lace up our boots and we, and as a metaphor, and we get up and we push through. And that to me is an act of bravery that we don't ever really talk about. We don't really see it as bravery. And I wanted to bring light to that aspect of bravery. And the art form is because, you know, art is messy. Most people, mm-hmm. when you're creating art, it's messy. It never yes. looks like what you want it to do until sometimes when it's done or when you have a moment to step back and go, wow, I really like that that part of this picture or this sculpture that I'm making or this piece of music. And motherhood to me is this like ebb and flow, uh, give and take, learning the scales, like if if you play piano or music, of learning this art of what it is. And there are messy times and there's times of crescendos and there's times of silence and it all weaves together. 
So back to and, your and there point. are moments of dissonance too. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know what's interesting is when my kids were young, I would kind of crave like silence. And then yes. when they get older, I craved voice and noise sure. because as they get to be a teenager, sometimes you're like, "How was your day?" "Oh, it's fine." And you you lose that kind of w- that conversation sometimes that you had when you're a kid with that when they were kids. So. Motherhood to me is this kind of mixture, this melting pot of different types of art. Everybody's looks different. That's the other cool thing is, you know, if you've ever done one of those painting classes where everyone goes and it's one painting in the front and we're all making the painting, but nobody's looks the same. And there's something really powerful about Mm. understanding Mm. that yours could look different than mine. We're still on this journey of motherhood. And yours is just as beautiful as mine, even though it's maybe shaded different or there's different parts to the story. And I wanted to write a book that celebrated, like, let's show who we really are. That's the hiding part, because I think so many of us hide because we live in a social world where it's the highlight reel on Facebook and it's all of what do we do? And it's easy to put on the mask of I'm fine. It's no big deal. And it's a real brave thing, I believe, to sometimes say, you know what? I'm struggling right here. And when you say, I'm struggling right here, you're basically saying, please come into my world. And when you do that, you're not only extending someone into your world, you're entering somebody else's. And it's this community that can develop. Rachel, I want to go to that hide part. Because in the book, your story about the garage that was full of junk. Yes. uh, (laughs) uh, my My garage is less than pristine. I don't know that I would say it was full of junk, but it certainly has some junk in it. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, I really do like to close that door because I don't like the neighbors to see that. I, they, they probably think I'm a bad housekeeper. And <laughs> just just before we went on the air, I was thinking about tomorrow and I was thinking, oh, it's going to be a nice day. I could invite Jim and, and Maureen over for dinner. We could sit out on my sun porch. Oh, yeah, we could do that because the cleaning lady's coming tomorrow. And then I realized this is exactly what Rachel is talking about, that we hide what we don't want others to see. But if it's the day the cleaning lady is coming, then we're good, you know. Uh, So I guess my question is, most of us hide behind something. Most of us need help. But how do you... How do you get past that? Because you talk about mothers and how they don't they don't ask for help because they don't want to appear weak or disorganized. And I've seen that a lot, especially with breastfeeding mothers, because quite honestly, they're attending to a baby. Thank you very much. So mm-hmm. how how can you help mothers to to ask for that help that they need? Well, I I do believe that is one of the hardest things. It's a humbling moment when you have to say to somebody, I can't do it all. I need need you to come into my world. Thinking about just even breastfeeding, I I breastfed all my, my children. And there was a moment, I remember with my first, where I had to say, you know what, I don't have the instruction manual on how to do this. And I need you to help me because I don't get it. And Where I think that it's hard to ask for help is because pride gets in there. And Mm, somewhere we think that if it's motherhood or breastfeeding or whatever it is, and I've seen it with my kids, that we should know the answers before we go through the experience. Mm -hmm. And 
I didn't know how to breastfeed going to that again until I actually worked at it and figured it out and, and allowed myself the space to fall down and not know it. Because when you think that you need to have all the answers, then it's just frustrating because you just don't like my kids don't know algebra until they learn math in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So with the hiding, what the hard part is, is I believe that we all apologize too. like if if you came to my house and it was messy and it was a normal mess, like, you know, kids are home. And the second you come in and I say, oh, Marie, thank you so much for being here. I'm so sorry about the mess. And I start to apologize. Well, I've put on you the paradigm that you're normal, you're normal, if it's a messy, normal day, whatever it is, that we have to apologize for normal, for living, Uh, for what it's like. uh So I really want to challenge mothers everywhere that there's great freedom in opening the door, saying, come on in and let me get you something to drink, a cup of tea, whatever it is, and not apologizing for where you are at that space. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's that's where the freedom starts. Now, it's it is a humbling place. I can tell you from my garage experience that to say I'm overwhelmed, and I think that part of us hiding is overwhelm. Like the garage, I have many people that ask me about that story. Is it got to a place where I had stuff in the garage, and to clean it out and do it was so overwhelming that it was easier to just hide it from everybody. And then the true value of friendship is is when they know about it, they have the outside perspective, like, you know, we can get this done. And that's where the power of having somebody else come in and help you is. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about what you just said about you don't know algebra until you do it. You don't know breastfeeding until you do it. Uh, Rachel, this is a great opportunity for me to say you don't know what it's like to write a book until you write a book. (laughs) (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) Yeah, I remember one time one of the kids said to me uh, something like, what are we going to do when it gets winter about having a meal? I said, what do you mean? We're just going to have a meal. And she said, well, we've been eating outside because the dining room table is all cluttered with your book stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. It's so true, though. My kids have said, like, I think we've existed on gluten-free macaroni and cheese because my son Samuel has celiac disease. And frozen pizzas, again, gluten-free, And but it's a season. That's the other part. Sometimes there's those moments in motherhood and life that are like harvest. It's where you have to do the hard things to get to the next space of it. And a lot of times, even when you have new babies and toddlers running around, I just want to cheer to moms like, you know, you got dinner on the table. Let's yeah. not even rank it anywhere else. Like, if you get it on the table, that's, that's, that's a, great. That's, that's accomplishment. Yes. Absolutely. Rachel, talk to us, too, because you talked about uh, seasons. And in the book, you said, just remember, a season is a season. It's not 20 years. But you also talked a lot about being stuck. And I got to tell you, Rachel, every single day, I feel stuck on something. I feel stuck on a project. I feel stuck on a cluttered desk. I feel stuck on a project, whatever it is. So I think people feel stuck. How do people get unstuck? Can you give us some practical tips? Uh, I can. Unstuck is a process. I believe the first part is admitting you're stuck. Mm. A lot of times we don't see that we're stuck. We just kind of dismiss it. No big deal. It's fine. All of that. Uh, But you have to admit it. You have to actually see I'm stuck. And then what a lot of the book is about is trying to figure out how did I get stuck? 
Like there's a place where we've made agreements with ourselves, like oh, whether yeah. it's I'm not going to do this till the kids are grown or I need to, it's, I had agreements about, you know, worth and value or procrastination or role. And it's deciding to come face to face with what we've agreed about ourselves and our situation and challenge that agreement. And a lot of times the agreement we've made is part of the reason that we're stuck because then our, we make excuses to keep that agreement in play. And then our reality reflects whatever excuses and agreement we've made. And it just keeps circling around and around. So if you can think of suck as stuck as a cycle, if you can break the cycle, like cut it, whatever it is, wherever it is, you can start to unravel stuck. But it takes a great deal of discipline in deciding, you know what, today I'm going to do the hard thing on my list first that I keep putting off till tomorrow. Mm. Mm, mm, I would totally agree. And this goes with a lot of what you said in the book about how we have to be truthful for with ourselves. And I was the, I did not notice that you used the word denial. Maybe I just missed it. But sometimes I can hear myself saying, oh, that's not a problem. But actually, that is a problem, which I think you've just uh, uh, talked about, which is you, you've got to know that you're stuck. Hey, everybody, look, at, don't go away. I am here today with Rachel Marie Martin. She is the author of The Brave Art of Motherhood, and we will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And I am here today with Rachel Marie Martin, who is the author of The Brave Art of Motherhood. Now, for those of you who are wondering if I am still giving live courses, the answer is yes. I think I must be about the only person on the planet who is still giving (laughs) live courses. My comprehensive lactation course will be offered in November as well as in uh, February and the spring. So I would suggest to you that if you're interested, you need to take a look now while I'm offering the early bird price. And that is at breastfeedingoutlook.com or you're welcome to call us 703-787-9894. So Rachel, before we uh, went to the second session, You mentioned the ages of your children, but I know from talking with you last time, you have seven children. And I think that that in and of itself is remarkable. In mainstream America today, most women have two children, all right, maybe three, but then they're done. Right. But but I want to point out that every time that I see a mother of five or more children, Those moms seem blissfully happy in their role. Now, you could say to me, well, Marie, they're hiding, and that's possible. (laughs) But but tell me how parenting all of those children helps you in your quest to find joy. Well, very good question. Uh, I will say this. Having many children means that you realize you're going to mess up and you can't do everything. (laughs) So... I think that might be the blissful part is we just kind of allowed to let that expectation of having it all together drop from our shoulders because there's just no way, especially when they were little, that I could manage everything perfectly. So I had to let go of perfection as well. And I had to aim for doing the best that I could in the moment. And that perspective allowed me just this kind of grace for motherhood as a whole, it allowed me to see into the corners of what we do every day and realize, wow, it's not the really big things that matter. It's all the little moments. And my oldest daughter, Hannah, and my second daughter, Chloe, they are, they're adults now. And when I had moved a couple of years ago, I had saved for them these American Girl dolls, thinking they're going to want all of these dolls and the ridiculously overpriced little outfits that went with them. And I messaged them and I asked, hey, guys, do you, do you want those dolls? And they both said, nah, that's okay. They don't really, that, really matter that much. And I was floored because I <laughs> thought, well, these are priceless to them. 
Well, the same year, my daughter wrote me a Mother's Day card, and it gets me really emotional. She talked, she never talked about the stuff, but she would talk about how grateful she was that I taught her to play cards at the lake. Well, that's about time. And I realize that is sometimes the greatest gift we can give them is oh, that yeah. time and that passing on of something that my mom taught me to play was cards at the lake. And then I taught it to my daughter. And then I've seen my oldest daughters teach it to their younger brothers. So it's this cool passing of knowledge and experience. So the seven kids, people ask me about it often. And I tell people I didn't get seven kids in one day. Like I learned to manage <laughs> one kid, one child, two in that way. And when you and I was overwhelmed when I had two sometimes, and I was overwhelmed when I had seven. And you can't really qualify where you are by the number of kids. It's because you're you're the one living that experience at that moment. You're doing the best you can with your life experience and the number of kids you have. I'm I'm really not surprised to hear this because I have talked with several women who have six or five or seven children. And the theme that you're talking about here is one I've heard before, which is something like you go with the flow and the perfection is not as big of a whoopee deal as it was with baby number one and number two. I would agree. I would agree. I have this very funny photo and I don't know what made me take it when Hannah was born. She's again, my oldest, but I remember coming home from the hospital with her and getting home and walking into her room that we had prepped in everything for her. And she had started to cry. And I put one of those fancy little throw blankets on the floor and I laid her in the middle of it crying. And at that moment I thought I need to take a picture because I have no idea what to do. Like, Aww. absolutely no idea. Aww. And it was the start of motherhood because I think so much of motherhood, and nobody says it, is you kind of fake it until you make it. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't know what yes. I was doing. I, I never did until I didn't know how to parent a teenager until I had a teenager. I didn't know how to deal with potty training until there were kids that were that age. And you put your best effort forward and it's kind of like the learning algebra, learning math yes. thing, and you just figure it out while you go. And Absolutely. it's letting go of needing to know it all. It's growing into the role. And I distinctly remember that years ago, my friend Marsha told me, well, you grow them from a couple of cells and they grow and they get bigger and somehow you grow and get bigger with them. Yes. Whoa, you are so right. So we know that you have these seven children. We know you breastfed these seven children. And it is my understanding that at some point you felt that breastfeeding helped to save your son's life. Can you talk to us about that? I can. So my youngest son, Samuel, he has celiac disease. So celiac disease is when your body, it's an autoimmune disease where you can't eat gluten at all, which is in a protein found in wheat, barley, rye, sometimes oats. Well, when Samuel was a little baby, I, I breast my, fed my children until they self-weaned. And he went through the normal phase, like introduced foods. And then he started to get a little bit ill around eight or nine months where he would get croup or he would just get sick often. And then right around a year, he started losing weight and he just started breastfeeding more and more and more like he had no interest in food. 
And it became this battle kind of with the medical community to, to say there's something seriously wrong with my, my son because they kept saying, well, he's sick because he's in a big family and, you know, all the typical things. And finally, no, no, the, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But that's what I would get all the time. They would get those answers. And finally, my friends stepped in and they said, you know, Samuel, there's something something's really wrong with Sam. We can see it. And they started going with me to the doctors more and more. And one doctor who was the father of a, my friend, she, he said, you need to go into the emergency room at the, the hospital in Minnesota. So we did, and we came in. And I told him this story, and I said, I'm really wondering if he has celiac disease, because he couldn't use the bathroom. It was just, he was he had lost almost two and a half pounds in three weeks, and he's Uh-oh. a baby. So, you know, 18 pounds at a year and a half. And... Uh, what ended up happening was, is they did the biopsy. They did the blood test, basically. It came back positive that he probably has celiac disease. They did the biopsy. And in the biopsy, they measure how well your di- your um, your digestive system works. And one of the numbers came back. Uh, you're supposed to have something for lactose, the lactase, the absorption, which should have been like uh, anything above 25 is great. Anything under 15 means you're not absorbing anything. And Sam was at 1.2. Holy. And oh. Exactly. And the doctor came in and he said, I need you to not stop breastfeeding because oh, we believe wow. that's the only nutrition he's getting right yeah. now. Yeah. And I, I mean, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it because they were going to put a TPN tube otherwise down his, his nose to feed him. Uh-huh. And I said, I absolutely will breastfeed him. And I will not, and I have not ate any gluten since that day because I didn't even want any trace of it crossing through. It's what we do as moms. And sure enough, I breastfed him for two and a half months. He breastfed like a newborn. And as his gut healed, he weaned himself. And by the time he went in for his four and a half months repeat biopsy, his intestinal tract had healed and he had actually weaned himself completely at that point. So he knew, he Absolutely. absolutely knew it was. That was the only sustenance he was getting. Yeah, and I just want to say what the story that Rachel is telling me is one that I have heard in one form or another for many years. Sometimes these pathological things don't really show up until the baby starts taking something other than his mother's milk. And then he develops these symptoms. And if there's anything that I have learned as a nurse, it is when the parent says, this isn't right, something is wrong with my child, I have learned to really pay attention to that because, and Rachel, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you think that mothers just have this sixth sense? They just know. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely knew that something was critically wrong. It was getting other people to know. And then once he was diagnosed, then it became, you were the mom that didn't give up. We, it was just this like complete reversal. So with Sam, I mean, I can tell like now, so he, now he's he's nine and he attends school and he gets stomach aches every once in a while, but I can come in and tell Uh If it's a stomach ache due to celiac or all of that, or it's a stomach ache because he doesn't want to go to school that day, because we know, we know as moms. Yes, yes. And and boy, I guess I really learned that actually in labor and delivery. I have found that when a woman says I have to push, Mm -hmm. everything inside of me says to me that doesn't make any sense because of X, Y, and Z, one, two, and three scientific facts. However, (laughs) I I have learned that even though I can't explain it, and it does not necessarily make scientific sense, I have learned that when mothers say it is what it is, 
I have learned to pay attention because mother's intuition is just so incredibly strong. So, wow, what a great story. And how good for you that you were able to, as I tell mothers, stick to your guns. You're right on this. You've got to get help for your baby. It's absolutely true. But, wow, oh, okay, so we can all exhale because... That could have that could have been a yeah that could have been a whole other scenario. Hey everybody, do not go away. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I'm here today with Rachel Marie Martin. She is the author of the art of excuse me the brave art of motherhood, and we will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Rachel Marie Martin, and we're talking about the brave art of motherhood. Rachel, here's something that I have been hearing for uh, decades. I can name the objections that mothers often have given me for why they don't want to breastfeed, but at the top of that list would be breastfeeding ties me down. And so help us here. Uh, You seem fairly emphatic about the idea that we need to be a master of our own destiny. So how can the breastfeeding mother do that when she is constantly on call for breastfeeding? Does it tie a mother down? Help us with that. Uh, Well, I'm going to tell you in the beginning, I I believe it does, but I believe it does for a good reason. When they're newborns, because it goes back to when the baby rests, you need to rest. And Mm -hmm. for me, breastfeeding, especially when I had older kids to take care of, was the moment where I was able to exhale. Maybe -hmm. it was the moment where I was able to sit on the couch and just sit there and read a book to my toddler. It was where I was given the freedom to say no to everything else that was out there to do and yes to myself, and yes to that new baby. Ooh, I and love it. It was a very powerful thing for me, especially as I had more and more children. I learned to embrace that moment with me and that baby. And for me, because the baby went with me, I just, as they my, I had more children, I loved breastfeeding as a way for me to have that one-on-one time with that child. Because I never, like my kids will always say, well, your Hannah was always your only favorite. Well, she was because she was the only child I had for 18 months of my, my <laughs> existence. Right. And the rest, no, they kind of joke about it. But for me, that moment with those little ones, it's so short in the speck of time that we have as mothers. It's a year or whatever it is that you breastfeed for is just, if you're looking at it in the art way, it's just like a dot on the page. And I've realized even more and more how I wouldn't trade those moments, those little dots, those little bits of time where it was just me one-on-one with them for anything. So does it feel like sometimes you're being tied down? It does. And it's okay to feel that. Like, it's okay to experience it, to say, oh, this is kind of frustrating right now. And then... To not to feel guilty, like I'm I'm a bad mom because I'm feeling this, but to say, you know what, I'm just human, and then sure. to do the best you can moving forward. And boy, I, you know, I'm thinking back now. It's been eight years since I've breastfed, and I am so thankful for all those moments I had with my kids. And there are some of my sweetest pictures are just of me with the kids sitting on the couch like that. And I don't think I would have slowed down otherwise. And it was mm-hmm. actually permission to slow down. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes we need that permission, but there are all these other things calling us. But honestly, when the babe is there, you're, you're, you kind of don't have any choice. And that's actually a good choice to not have in that sense. It is. And, and you know, I tell moms, like, if you have little children, don't compare your life to me, whose children are nine and above. Like, right. you will drive yourself crazy Not. at that moment. So it's exhale. This yes. is the season, the story I'm in right now. Rachel, like you and probably like all of your readers, I sometimes think that something is overwhelming or bleak or cluttered or a failure or whatever. And I realize I have to stop myself and I say to myself, 
It's just a thought. Mm-hmm. And I try to remember that great, great quote from Louise Hay. She says, it's only a thought, and a thought can be changed. Now, in your book, you had a slightly different quote, but it was the same idea. So talk to us a little bit about how our thoughts, my takeaway from the book was that our thoughts can either make us or break us. My words, not yours, but <laughs> talk to us a little bit about that. Well, our thoughts are very, very powerful. Uh, You think we're always thinking, and I'm a very introspective person, so I started paying attention to what we think. And Louise Hay, she's totally right. You don't have to be, it's only a thought, and you can let it go and you can learn from it. And one of the examples I give about thinking is this idea of targets that we think about. And Mm. I told a a story about if you say to your kids, hurry up, hurry up, we're going to be late. Everybody hears this target of we're going to be late. (laughs) Uh And we don't mean it. We want to get to school early, but everybody's hearing, hurry up, hurry up. We're going to be late. Like we're already dooming ourselves to being late, even though it's an unintentional target. It's a great example. I, I, I challenge people to say, let's get going so we can be early. And that one shift can change the posture of everything. So when you hear like, I'm failing, I think that it's a great spot to challenge it and say, no, I'm not failing. I'm doing the best I can. And to kind of lead that tr- that thought to actual truth, because it's not failing to try something and to learn from it and to try again. And we have to be careful to not let our thoughts drive our identity to, to be a definer mm. of who we are. Like I would never tell my kids, wow, you are such a failure. What are you doing? I would say, no. You're learning math right now, and you did really great at writing those numbers and all of that. And somehow, as we get to be adults, we don't have that filter. We don't have a parent saying, don't say that about yourself. But we need to be the ones saying, don't say that <laughs> don't about Don't say that about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I would, would totally agree. And talk to us about the real you. Because you had that, I think that was actually the uh, title of the chapter, Will the Real You Stand Up? And honestly, I believe that all women, new mothers, experienced mothers, stepmothers, grandmothers, non-mothers, I think all wrestle with this, what I call the imposter syndrome. And your book confirmed for me that other people feel, as I do, sometimes like there's this imposter uh, thing. So the question is, how do we get ourselves to stand up and be the real me? It's bravery. It's it's <laughs> decide. It, it really is an act of bravery. But I think also it's deciding that you and I are all blessed with a certain timeline, a certain number of days that we get to walk and be on this earth. And we can decide to walk through them wearing a mask, deciding to meet everybody else's expectations and losing our own heart and the things that are important and losing the value of that moment. Because, you know, there's so many times where if you live under that pressure of like, oh, I don't want to you know, offend or I don't want to be the real me, well, we're kind of losing ourselves. And there's this power in deciding, you know what, I love to dance in the rain, so I'm going to dance in the rain and not care what anybody else thinks and teach mm-hmm. our children that power of embracing who they are. Again, it goes back to, we tell our kids all the time, be you, be you. There's no one else in this world like like you. And somehow we get to be adults and we're like, oh, I don't know if I should really be me. So it's kind of 
reversing that whole thing and saying, the more authentic I am with myself, the more I teach my kids to be and to stay true to their their true authentic self as well. Yeah, you know, I've often thought that motherhood is where, let's face it, kids learn not so much from what you say, but from what you do. Mm-hmm. And so kids are pretty sharp. They can figure out if you're uh, not really yourself. In fact, sometimes they'll even call you on it, for heaven's sakes. Uh, so good for you. And I love the idea that you think that that is bravery. That's just what you've got to do. Yes? Absolutely. I think it's very brave to be the person in a group that says, you know what, let's just be real with each other right now. Not stay stuck, not kind of con- like congratulate everybody for for kind of being stuck, but being real and then being the person that says to your friend, you know what, let's fix this or let's find happiness again or let's change this or let's get together and deciding to become a culture of women that no longer feels isolated because I really do believe that's such a a prevalent issue right now is this feeling of lonely in a socially saturated world, Mm -hmm. deciding to come together and decide to break down that loneliness. But it takes bravery. It takes going up to the barista at Starbucks that always talks to you and saying, hey, do you want to maybe get coffee sometime or something (laughs) like that? Like breaking that kind of cycle of staying on the surface because Mm -hmm. you have to get through that to get to that depth of friendship that we all need. Absolutely. In the book, you talk about visualization and I noticed that you did it more than once. Uh, I try to tell people how important visualization is for outcome of labor and so forth, but uh, tell us why you feel that visualization is so important for people. Uh, It goes back to the target. It goes back to what you see. If you project in your head that nothing will ever change, then you're kind of teaching yourself that whatever you do right now is not going to ever change. Visualization, it doesn't mean that you know all the steps from A to A to Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be you know where you want to go, but you're zigzagging all over the place, but you know the, the path that you want to be on. And you know that there's this give and take and ebb and flow. And I think of it like um, there's a quote about it, about bamboo versus an oak tree. In a, in a storm, the oak tree snaps. But bamboo can kind of move with whatever happens to it because it's got this flexibility to it. And mm-hmm. motherhood is that part of flexibility, knowing the target, knowing where we want to go today, knowing what we want to do, but being able to give ourselves the grace to maybe not get to where we wanted to today, but know where we're going. And visualization to me is just cementing where do I want to go? How do I want to be? How do I want my life to look if I get to live to be 50, 60, 70? What do I want to be doing? And what do I I think, how do I want my children to describe who I was when they were growing up? I think that's a very powerful thing. Totally agree. Uh, And for those of you who are wondering, I'm wondering if she visualized herself as the author of this good book. But anyway, (laughs) don't go away. Rachel Marie Martin and I will be right back after this short break.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso, and we are back with Rachel Marie Martin. And Rachel, I want to talk to you about, there were several themes that jumped out at me throughout the book, but one thing was your emphasis on the idea that ignoring the truth and making excuses and putting things off just doesn't work. So my question is, I do this every single day, probably most people do this every single day, but how do you get out of that trap? Accountability is the number one uh, 
way to get out is find somebody that you're accountable with that will hold you accountable to it. Uh, Set a goal. That's the other thing. I think having an actual date out there Mm -hmm. that you want to change something by and circling it and then not just having the date there, but filling your calendar in with X's for every day that you do something different you start to get on this roll, like you don't want to break this, the trend. Like, and that's a very powerful motivation, uh, motivating tool is to see it, if you're a visual person, to see like, I've done this, I've, I've worked out five days in a row now, or I've, I've decided to write four days now. And it's, you just kind of self-motivate in that way. Um, that, that for me is a great deal of it. It's deciding to kind of about face in your life and decide I'm going to walk this way, even though everything is pushing me this way right now, but I'm going to change this one thing. And it doesn't mean that you have to take your entire day doing it. It might just be as simple as deciding I want to get up an hour earlier. Instead of doing it in one day, you decide for the next 60 days to set your alarm one minute earlier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's very powerful that way. I would agree. And by the way, uh, I've done a reasonable amount of reading about forming new habits. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting that the psychologists have found out that it takes us about 60 days, or maybe it was 66 days, to have a simple habit, for example, just drinking an extra glass of water every day. And, of course, if your habit is more difficult, say doing 50 sit-ups, well, that Mm -hmm. takes more than 60 days. And I like what you're talking about, which is, uh, there's an app out there, it's called Streaks. Oh, that's cool. Oh, it is. It's a very cool app. I have used it because I find exactly what you're saying, that once you see yourself on that roll, you're like, yeah, I'm doing this and I don't want to break the streak. It's, it's, it's like this really simple little app. I think it was even free. And all you do is just push this little thing, but it makes you feel really good about yourself. And uh, I've even incorporated that into a lecture where Uh, For hospital people where I talk about the uh, exclusive breastfeeding policy and I say to them, make a poster, put it up at the nurse's station or in the hall or on the elevator or whatever it is, and then X that off. Every day we've had X number of babies who were discharged exclusively breastfeeding because it gives everybody on the staff that sense of accountability to one another and nobody wants to break the streak. So that was such a great answer, uh, Rachel, and you brought me right to exactly where it's like we did not script this but this is working well (laughs) I have recently started keeping a journal now when I was in nursing school I kept a journal quite a lot and then you know I've done it from time to time and then I've kind of fallen off but lately I I made this uh deal what you would call an agreement with myself that I was going to journal Five nights out of seven. I don't necessarily have to do it all seven. Sometimes I'm traveling or I'm whatever, and I get that. But uh, that I was really going to do this, and I have found that it's hugely helpful to me that kind of along the lines of if I can't be accountable to myself, then how am I going to be accountable to somebody else? We could argue that point. But tell me, do you keep, I know that you blog, but I don't Mm -hmm. mean blogging. I mean, do you keep a journal yourself for yourself and do you find that helpful? 
Well, I, I have a journal in a different way. I, and I, I think that a lot of people need to understand that for sometimes, some people, it might not be journaling it down. It might be taking a walk every single mm. day. And it's, to me, journaling is a moment of introspection. It's oh, a yes. moment to step back and to reassess and to reevaluate. Well, yes. my parents, uh, when I was young, uh, they taught me, put me in piano lessons. And I've I took 18 years of piano lessons, and uh, despite living in Nashville, I'm a classical pianist, and I have found that when I am diligent about playing the piano, that it allows me to get into that journaling space where it allows me to just think freely without the expectations, without the, no, you shouldn't be doing that, no, you yes, you should be doing that. It just gets me into that space that we all need of, of just being still in our minds. So the long answer is, do I keep a pen and paper journal? No, because I do a lot of writing and most of my writing to me is very raw and what mo- what people would journal about. Okay. Uh, but uh, where I do my thinking is either writing in that way, just writing my heart or playing the piano. Okay, okay. So, yes. Well, one of the things that I have done is that every night uh, I write what my big win was for the day. Oh, that's cool. And I, I can't tell you how much that has, because otherwise I can spend the whole day feeling like I'm going around in circles. I'm not getting anything done. And what I wanted to get done didn't get done as well as it should have, or as fast as it should have. And, and I find that it's so easy to get focused on the the stuff that you really shouldn't be focused on. And so that's sort of been my way to force myself into realizing I did have some big wins. Uh, and, and sometimes it's just, I kept my fingers out of the ice cream today. You know, yeah. it, 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 it doesn't necessarily need me need to be, I wrote a book today. Okay. Right. But, uh, but actually you did write a book over the last several months. I'm sure. Um, it, the name of it is The Brave Art of Motherhood, Fight Fear, Gain Confidence, and Find Yourself Again. Uh, Rachel, give us a really short description of why everybody should read this book. Well, I believe the one thing that moms can do very quickly without realizing it is lose their own heart and to put off taking care of themselves till the kids are grown. And this is about making sure that you take care of yourself, you you follow your dreams at, while you're being a mom. I think there's lots of self-help books out there. There's lots of kind of encouragement ones, but they're not written under the context of what do I do when I have a six-year-old or a newborn or all of that. So it's really about finding that freedom again to find yourself within the midst of motherhood and to do the dreams that you had when you were a child as well, or to follow whatever those passions are. And uh, you can find it at thebraveartofmotherhood.com or I would love it if you've been joined us and chat on my Facebook page. It's the Finding Joy blog because I blog at findingjoy.net because just like you have your big win every day, I think that it's an important and I believe it's critical to who we are to every day decide, you know what, what was something good that happened today? It could have mm-hmm. been the worst day of our lives, but there had to have been one thing that made us happy. And it could Absolutely. be as simple as, like I tell my kids, I got an extra scoop of ice cream. You know, <laughs> it depends upon who you are at that moment. But it's this posture of identifying that there is something good in it. So, yeah, I, I love this book. It has been a labor of love. It was a, a year and a half process of writing and articulating 
my own life and the agreements and teaching and sharing that you can be stuck, you can be content, but you have to fight for yourself and how to be a friend to others that you need. Totally agree. Uh, it is well worth uh, reading. I enjoyed it very much. And I would just like to thank the author, Rachel Marie Martin, for being with us today. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I loved it. Oh, I'm so glad. And for all the rest of you, just remember, Rachel will be gone. She's got to go back to her real job, but I will be here next week. And uh, in the meanwhile, you know your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.